Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris. And just a few words before you listen. We've been sitting on this episode that you're about to hear for several months. And so I'm going to give you a little prep talk. I finally got around to watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a few months ago. And at that time, Dan, this movie, Dan had been turning backflips over since he saw it when it first came out. I think he saw it roughly 23 times. We spoil the shit out of this movie and this episode. So if you haven't seen it, don't even bother listening to this episode until you've seen it. We are completely going to ruin it for you. We take a little break after we hash out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then when it comes, when we come back from the break, we start off talking about the legendary Eddie Murphy and his hosting gig on SNL, which came out around the same time that his Dolomite movie came out on Netflix, which if you haven't seen, definitely go see. It's really, really good. And if you haven't seen the Rudy Ray Moore original Dolomite movie, you absolutely have to go watch that too. You won't believe your eyes with what you're seeing. So anyways, we start off talking about Eddie Murphy, but we don't say that we're talking about Eddie Murphy. So I'm just letting you know what's going on there. And then we just dive completely into a heated discussion about artistic integrity and comics like Adam Sandler and Jack Black and Steve Martin and the choices that they make in their careers. Should you sacrifice other things to serve your artistic integrity or do things like money and family life and travel factor into how you choose projects? And um, after this episode, it's the odds of Jack Black and Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy, any of them, coming to Madison to sit down and be on our podcast. The odds of this happening after this episode are slim to none because one of our podcast hosts, I'm not going to say who, but his name starts with an A, is takes a hard line. So I am extremely curious to hear what our listeners think about this whole concept because I know a lot of you are musicians too. You're musicians or creators, uh, artists, and what do you think? If you have any thoughts, as usual, and as always, please let us know. Podjectivity at gmail.com is the email address that we're using. Uh, and of course, we'd love to hear any thoughts or feedback you have at any time. Hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for listening. The Podjectivity Network. So, uh, and and that kind of level it. of commitment to euros, it's uh, <laughs> it's good judgment all around. <laughs> I must be number two. There was a place in Eau Claire called Laughing Luigi's <laughs> that s- served uh, euros, mm-hmm. and we most of us had all eaten there within a few hours of each other, and then we got a stomach bug. Ugh. And so we blamed it. We blamed it on Laughing Luigi's, and we never went back. Oh. Gross. 
A, a house full of college guys getting the stomach with uh, explosive diarrhea in one bathroom. Oh no! Good a good couple guy. bathrooms. There's eight of us in a house. That's a lot of people. And there was with one diarrhea. Two, three. There was three bathrooms in that house, <laughs> and they were all, as the, my boys said when they were toddlers, restroyed. <laughs> they were all restroyed. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, dude. I'm okay. So three, one. I'm one. One, 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 oh, one. Oh, you should be two. One. you like to say two, two. I can still say two. <laughs> Just as well on this mic. Two. Fifteen, two. Fifteen, four, two. Okay, I like where I'm at. Nat, say something punchy, baby. Something punchy. I'm flipping switches on bitches like I was flip fixed with hydraulics, Higgs. Got it. A little more. Uh, Keep it coming. What's Is that? it cool to fuck? Do oh. you think I come to talk? Am I a fool or what? That's that's okay. uh, Tupac. Tupac. a little Tupac for you. Okay, a little Tupac. And you, Adams, two, two. Hello. That's fine. Whew. I guess <laughs> that said it all. <laughs> I don't just have rhymes. Okay. I think we're. Like I think we're leveled up there. Levels. Levels. How do you want it? Levels. Uh. So now that we got some levels, should we a. Have Nath ask us a couple questions. B, talk about first, the movie. First, we're going to talk about the movie C, first to get oh, that out. Talk first. about, Done. did anybody watch Eddie Murphy on SNL? Saw a few sketches, not the whole thing. Okay, got to, I've got some takes. Okay. Okay. So, Do-do-do-do-do. is this loud enough? Also, no one's going to breathe heavily into the microphone, Andrew and Dan. Because, and me, because I have to go in and edit all the, the breathing breath. out. Yeah, in between. What? Vo- yes. Okay. Okay. Do my best. So when you're not talking into the mic, back. you should back, relax. back the fuck up, back the fuck off a little bit. Okay. This is what I thought. I'm going to tell you a story. I am dazzled by how charismatic everyone in that movie is. Like, I couldn't look away. Brad Pitt. He, impossibly beautiful. Impossibly but beautiful. But kind of a sympathetic loser of a character in a yeah, way. Yeah, the that moccasins you... really brought. There's no soles on those. It's just leather. There's not even like rubber underneath. It's it's gorgeous. And Which was the style at the time. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio with the the tick and like the the twingy, obviously in such great states of anxiety. But then he acts seamlessly and the little girl and like. There's so much of it to love and I but honestly the part that just that I would watch it again is how visually stunning it was and like the hippie with her legs across the car and like when she's laying in his lap just the scenes the shots everything every choice it was just so visually stunning I don't even care about anything else. It was like, just give me the charisma and these amazing shots. And, and the sunshine, the sweet, sweet California I don't even care what sunshine. the plot is doing. That's kind of where I was at after the first viewing. From an auditory perspective, did the you music, notice? Like, Quint, what, like, what do you mean? The fabric is so rich as to almost be overpowering. That the there's music? Never, there's never a moment of really of silence. Ugh. There's always an advertisement. There's always a, hmm. there's always a voice. There's always something that's creating 1969. That's how things sounded, the sound of the cars, the commercials. That's what got, I got a lot out of those commercials. 
Yeah. For uh, the cologne. Like, but you can't. There's be a, a certain kind of man. <laughs> I think. Oh God. What Quentin yeah. Tarantino does with his soundtracks is pretty fucking great. I mean, as soon as they played Hush, right? I was like, that's when I'm like, be purple texting you guys and then i'm like i need to stop i'm not gonna text every time a great song comes on or like every time i'm fucking dazzled by something yeah i think probably pulp fiction was like the first time i heard a surf guitar too and i was like whoa that's a magical sound and it had kind of been lost like i think he's a master at that uh taking an oakridge boys song like "Mm -mm, flowers on the wall Statler brothers Statler brothers that's what i said it's not the Oakridge Boys Dan. Right. At all. But um, yeah, just being able to pick sort of obscure little gems out and and set them in. The other movie, I'm, he didn't make this movie, but Boogie Nights did some cool things with music too. Are they the ones that did the, I got a brand new pair of roller skates? Yes. That was a Heather movie. Graham, was that her name? Yeah. The little Paul Thomas not my, Anderson Not my flavor. favorite, but yeah. Julianne Moore and... She's great. Heather Graham and... Heather Graham's overrated. That's Philip funny. Seymour Hoffman. But anyways, tell me more about why you loved this movie. Well, um... Tarantino boner coming in. Tarantino boner coming in. <laughs> uh, poking you in the ears. <laughs> <laughs> poking you in your ear hole. Um, boy, now I feel ill-prepared. Because like two months ago, when, when it came out in July, I had a lot more to say. But Here's... I'll, I'll add one more thing. I really love taking a story that didn't happen and laying it on top of a story that did happen and just fucking it all up and just twisting it around so that you have a completely different ending. I love that. So the movie happens in real time for the first like hour and change. Mm. Basically real time. Uh, the It's a long movement that really happens over like two days maybe uh and then there's a sudden there's a jump and kurt russell starts to narrate and things are you're kicked ahead like eight years or whatever um real fast and then the stuff at the ranch when does the ranch happen bruce dern oh that was great too because you're like he's obviously dead you know, there's some fucking corpse Brad, rotting back there. And that was a great movie badass moment, I think, where Brad Pitt was like, you know what? I'm going to have to go in and see. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Like, it was obviously so creepy and so eerie that like 99% of humanity would just be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. But he had the humanity, you know, to like have made a friendly connection at one point and then also the balls to be like... All this creepiness and weirdness aside, I'm going yeah. in. And that happened after the Bruce Lee fight. So you already knew he was a badass. So you weren't really worried about him. Well established. Yeah. Which That's was what made amazing. him not a total pathetic character, right? Because in, in, in a sense, he was just like the lackey of this failing actor. And there was so much tragedy around both of them. But the fact that he was like this real... Like nothing could touch him. Yeah, to a he, degree. it kind of explained the swagger. If you can mm. kick Bruce Lee's ass, <laughs> then that he's earned te- it. Did did Bruce Lee not teach one of your sons Taekwondo or something? That Bruce Lee, Mike Mo, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. The moment at the ranch. Uh, a number of things going on there. Your 
the Tarantino tactic of it's whatever you're seeing, what you're thinking and fearing is so much worse. In so many of his movies, like Reservoir Dogs or in Pulp Fiction, what are you going to see when they open the door in that basement? The gimp thing. Like, what you're scared of is so much scarier than what's really there. And in I Reservoir Dogs, of course. Gene the dread. Gang Rames bent over that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it's a bad day. <laughs> That's pretty uh, rough. So what? here's where I think I can jump off and say why I enjoyed it so much and why I think it's his best movie. Well, Is that it's, of all the movies of his... It is the most fun. Yeah. Hands down. Oh, for sure. Unassailably, we could go over it. The bromance. It's the most fun. And all the other Tarantino movies, there's some terrible conflict. There's, there's the violence, of course. And that's the other thing, is there's a little bit of violence in this one right at the end. And he beats up that guy at the ranch very sparingly. Not, not much violence. There's the threat. There's yeah. the looming feeling that it's on. But not much real violence, which I found enjoyable sitting with my teens that I wasn't just watching. Take any any movie, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Kill Bill, Oceans of Blood, you know, which was fine. It's cartoony, but it didn't the violence, have the over the, violence, the top the violence, the over the top business of like in Kill Bill, the guy who was the rapist getting his head crunched mm. in the door over and over, and you just think like, okay. Got it on the first crunch or two. It had that at the end, though. Well, it didn't have that at the end. they ripped the people up. But it was sort of like he just unleashed for maybe like eight minutes, and then he was done. And the fact that he saved it for the end. Yeah. You know. (laughs) That's true. Was tasteful restraint on his part, perhaps. Yes, it really was. And I feel like, agree with you, Dan, that the whole movie feels like a celebration and a celebration of each component in the movie. He's celebrating Brad Pitt's fucking charisma and awesomeness that Mm -hmm. finally made me forgive him for cheating on Jennifer Jennifer Aniston. Finally, this movie did it. He's celebrating the weirdness of the ranch and like how bizarre it was for Charles Manson to have all these pony rides, hippies. Yeah. Yeah. And murder. And the weirdness of just the aesthetic of the time, like you were saying, kind of like in your ears, it was it had a certain it was almost like a a character in the movie, the sound, the songs, mm-hmm. the ads, and then visually, I mean, and Leo DiCaprio, he was celebrating his kind of quirky mastery of acting and like what he can do. It just felt like everyone was so in control of what they were doing. You know what? Even the chick that didn't really have any lines. What's her name? What Dick Margot Robbie? Yeah. What DiCaprio's shown us in a few cases. I love him. I just, across the board. Well, understandable. And as handsome as he is, like, he's got unhinged down pretty well. Doesn't Mm -hmm. he? Like in Mm -hmm. Django 2, you saw it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Where, uh, what's it called? Candyland. Where he seems Uh, really composed and suave in one moment and then just so broken and vulnerable the next. I never saw that movie. Django Unchained. Ooh, I thought I it might be Django. too violent. I loved it. Really? You were right. Hip hop soundtrack too. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Yeah. All right. Spectacular. Spectacular movie. Who else is in it? Christopher Waltz is great. Yep. 
Jamie Foxx. And then, you know, to have Jamie oh, Foxx as your lead. Oh, wait a minute. I saw the beginning. And then... The woman uh, with the, uh, uh, from Scandal. And of uh, course, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh. Uh, Carrie Washington? Carrie Washington. Little troublemaker. Uh, he, bra- he gets set Tom Wopat is in, in Jingle Unchained. We'll call back there. <laughs> That's right. Jonah Hill makes a hilarious little cameo. There's... Yeah, there's... Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. If I may, at the ranch, when uh, Cliff says, I'm going to have to take a look for myself. So many things. Uh, we are all conditioned in 2019 that if somebody says no, you politely put your tail between your legs and you scurry away. You don't, you don't go against what people say. You don't insist. You don't insist. And constantly in this movie, Cliff, but other characters too, but Cliff, with class, is going to insist that Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to. And he, throughout the movie, people have changed a lot, not genetically, but since 1969 to 2019, the way we relate to each other has changed a lot. People were much more frank 40 years ago? Uh, what is this, 50 years ago? You're talking about pre-PC culture? He taps into some pre-PC with these characters and their interactions. And that one in particular. You go up to somebody's door and they tell you all this stuff. You, Couldn't be creepier. 2019. This girl at the us, door. We would just be like, Is it L. well, you don't, uh, you don't go past that. You just accept it. Whether you like it or not. Okay, have a nice day. And you, you go on about your way. However, he had come so far and whatnot. Uh, Tarantino, not a big fan of the hippies. A look, everything you've ever seen since you were a kid. I'm a 46, born in 73. From the first time you see like a Rolling Stone retrospective of anything, uh, Woodstock and all of that fabric is all woven in this like Everyone was great, and no one did anything bad. That's that's bottled and sold and put forth in the uh, you know in the interest of saving some time. That whole period is just like yeah, flower power. Everyone was nice, and he really puts a stick in those spokes and says, "No, these people were fucking animals." <laughs> this is what happened, and I'm going to get passionate. He, this is old man Tarantino saying, get off my lawn. This is what happens when you got a bunch of people with no parents. Hmm. And that's what happens when a bunch of teenagers leave home and don't have any compass. Is shit like this happens. Charles Bad Mason ideas get hatched. Void and then murder. Are you, does he do this in other movies? Bad ideas get hatched. People act on them before they even realize what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I felt teenage Dan in those scenes. Ah. I felt like these people are all fucking lunatics and morons, but I get it mm-hmm. because there's no other. And you see it play out when the violent end starts to happen. Uh, when they're in the car, that one girl kind of chickens out. You know, that's Ethan Hawke's daughter. No. Yeah. But I'm not surprised. And Uma's daughter. Somebody gets some conscience, like, okay, so they're tripping, 
and the one girl that's like, okay, everybody, check it out, right? And she lays out that premise that we've all kind of grown up with, that like all our lives, all we've ever seen is violent imagery. And if you're trying to cop out and blame the culture for things like violent video games and all this stuff, that's the position you take to absolve yourself of responsibility. And that's Quentin Tarantino making fun of that position. And I think he's saying, get off my lawn, Mm -hmm. you stupid teenagers. (laughs) And that one girl in the car, though, she gets an attack of conscience. Whether the acid's not strong enough or she has some sort of core beliefs, she's like, uh, I forgot my knife. And then she right. runs back down the hill and he's like, oh, here's the keys. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. Thanks. And then she fires up the car. Get this mechanical asshole off of my street. Oh, what a great rant that was. So th- those were some of the feelings that I had. The- and then the big, uh, the big haymaker, he spends so much time... Uh, making sure that you think something's about to happen and then it's not what you're expecting. So if you're old enough to know the story, you're sitting there halfway through. It hit me when they jump ahead all that time because when it was happening in real time, I couldn't think. Of course, there's reasons for that too. (laughs) But when I sort of snapped awake and Kurt Russell starts to narrate it, I started getting the impending dread of like, uh, every time they showed Margot Robbie, uh, what's her name uh sharon tate i'm like this beautiful young woman's gonna get murdered Mm. and we're just we're just heading towards it he's funneling us to this and there's no way to stop it because it happened and it's coming and oh my god it's gonna be so rough and then you're doing backflips down the aisles (laughs) when when he flips the story on you and the good guys win they go to the wrong house Mm-hmm. And who Do should they, they meet? ever go to the wrong house? And I'm going to keep ranting. Brad, I promise Brad. I'll let other people talk soon. In the spirit You've been waiting of these, how long to talk about oh, this movie? For months. <laughs> these teenagers. What happens when there's no brains behind the wheel? Is shit like this starts to happen? I was pumping my fist and feeling victorious when the end scene starts to go down, because teenagers never think. What if we knock on the wrong door? And what if the person behind the door is ready for us? That never crossed their (laughs) mind. They talked themselves into this lather. I guess they were tripping. They talked themselves into this righteous cause, and they were going to go dish out some justice because that's what Charlie told them to do. And nobody stopped to think, what if we knock on the wrong door? And what if the person behind it's ready for us? They were so sure that it was just going to go a certain way. But someone, military background, a bit of a badass, we'd seen him for, he set us up with this for two hours. A great what, dog trainer. What Cliff Booth is like, and that beautiful, beautiful dog. Yeah. Brandy. Yeah. Trained to react with a click of the, click of his jowl. Yeah. And not a moment sooner. Uh, it could go wrong, guys. I was, nobody thought about that. I was that. thrilled when that happened with the dog. Because at first I was like, oh no, something's going to happen to Cliff. And the dog is going to stay on the couch because he wants to get his dinner. And he was taught not to move until he gets the signal. And like, what if he... And I was like so delighted that it was like, no. I guess he does sort of represent the... the he, he's got an old-fashioned set of values. And that his loyalty to Leonardo DiCaprio's character for one thing, signals a sort of old-fashioned sense of like, hey, high or low, 
Cliff? whatever happens with your c- career. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. No financial stability at all. Yeah. Job to job. He's up on the fucking roof fixing the antenna or what? whatever. And what, what, what do you think kept him with... What was uh, Leo's character name? I can't remember. I'm... It's been too long for Jake me. Jake Cahill is the guy that's in Bounty Law. What's his act? What's his... Uh, I'm not going to remember it. You, we can okay. Google this. we got to cheat. But, but why Why do you think Cliff stayed with him? But also discipline. Like, uh, the, the relationship he has with his dog, the way he's trained his dog... The, the his professionalism on the set, you know, like even though things got out of hand with Bruce Lee, that was clearly Bruce Lee's provocation. And like he just, he represented a sort of old school, modest, show up, do the job, you know. I also love that. Rick Dalton. Rick. Rick Dalton. And his good buddy, Cliff Booth. Uh, <laughs> the names are perfect. That's what they tell me. Perfect. I love that they showed him on the boat with his wife, but they didn't show what happened. They're just yes. like, oh, God, Another she's touch. a bitch. <laughs> Kurt Russell and his wife, Kurt Russell's like, you know, my wife doesn't really like you. Yeah. Or he's telling that to uh, Rick. He's like, my wife is yeah. not going to have that. But yeah, you don't know what happened. You only know up to a certain point. It's just juicy little bit of mystery that he <laughs> yeah. wove into it. I really like And that. Hollywood is full of, you know, what R- Richard Wagner and Natalie Wood. Mm. And there's all sorts of stories about what actually happened there. Mm. And, you know, R- R- Randolph Hearst and uh, and his yacht. There was a there was an incident there. Yeah. Just well, wealthy people I, who are beyond the law and mysterious. Deaths and when happen. Brad Pitt picks up yeah. that hit the hippie girl um, and he's like, they haven't got me yet. You know, I'm not going down for this. For you know, you give me a blowjob in the car. That's yeah. not happening. And so it's still an unanswered question that he's Quentin Tarantino's. He's willing to leave it unanswered. Another expression of his like old fashioned gentleman. And he's a life. gentleman. Yeah, like there's a teenage girl in yeah. his car. He could do anything he wants, and he says, "Come on now." Maybe killed his wife, but you girl. still like him because he's a gentleman. There was something in that car too when he goes, "You 18." And she's like, yeah, but like, um, I just don't have. And he's like, that's because you're not 18. Yeah. Things were simpler, I think, in 1969. Mm. Well, and you, you couldn't pass yourself off as something you weren't mm. before the Internet. Uh, you either were or you weren't. And there was little benchmarks like you had identification. Yeah. Or you don't. I think you're willing to give Brad Pitt's character Cliff a pass on a lot of things too because of his authenticity. Like mm-hmm. he is a badass, kind of like Samuel L. Jackson says, "Mine's the wallet that says bad motherfucker on it." <laughs> to the, right. You know. Well, which one's yours? <laughs> uh, he has a knack for creating these characters, and Samuel L. Jackson brought that that improbable sort of almost cartoonish on one level, yeah, menacing hitman to life mm-hmm. in a way you know his intensity and that whole performance is just yeah, it's got to be maybe the maybe the scariest but most entertaining at the same time I don't profile know. of a badass ever i don't know how you write guy to- with a good heart I don't know. He does too. Yeah, at the end, where he's where he's talking it through. I'm trying to walk the righteous path, man. I, I understand yeah. the care. I understand that. I want to hang out with them. I want to keep hanging out with them. The movie's four hours long. I will keep hanging out with them. 
You said you wanted to take a bite out of everyone at some (laughs) point, by the way. Elaborate. Well, what I'm trying to say with that is I don't know how you write characters that are so appealing. You know the actors that you're going to get are going to be dazzling. How do you write up to the the charisma of your actors? I suppose they're muses for a guy like Tarantino to a degree. It's not a coincidence that Uma keeps coming up in his in his performances and that Samuel keeps reappearing. Yeah. And that and sometimes he just makes inspired pulls like I was talking earlier about how he'll he'll pull a Dick Dale out of the out of the ether a little bit and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. I don't you, you all have been sleeping on this, but it's killer. And hey, remember John Travolta? He's actually remember. the coolest man alive yeah. and this is why. <laughs> and, and yeah. He was his muse, I guess in a sense, you know. He's inspired by, he loves movies, he loves actors, and it probably was like a dream come true for him to get Travolta back on his feet and get him in something. couple things. When you were watching the Western stuff, did you realize that, did you go along with the Western story? Or the whole time, were you like, the oh, they're just acting in a TV show? The Italian Western when stuff? When he's on the he's on the show with Timothy Oliphant and the little girl. I kind of lost track a little bit. Part of, partly because Leonardo DiCaprio was so captivating, and like, yes, uh, I just was watching him and Timothy Oliphant. That scene when he, I didn't care about context. I was just watching them. And I, my point was, I immediately forgot that I was watching. Leo acting in a TV show. I was completely swept away. I'm in a Western story. Yeah. And it's as good as any Western story you'll see. And it was so convincing. And he's like, line! And he gets so frustrated with him. Like, I I, I love it all. I wanted to speak to that part and how it's a parallel to another film that DiCaprio did, which is you saw him break... In his professionalism, and we know about him that he's already feeling like his career is, you know, in in trouble. And there's this crisis that's like a fucking dark cloud that's hanging around him through everything that he does. But he's got this talent and he's got this craft. And when that fails him on set and he goes back to his trailer and you see him just destroy himself, you know, you just see a person in the throes of like just all the shame and the rage but then how triumphant it is when if i get it's been a while since i've seen it but the sequence is he comes back to the set recommitted yeah and he he shows what he can do nails the scene where he throws the little girl on the floor yeah that is that is akin to in the aviator when he's i've seen that okay when he's when Howard Hughes has retreated into the screening room and he's collecting his own pee in jars <laughs> and grown his nails out and just this crazy, you know, he's you'd think that he's beyond his ability to pull himself together. But then Ava Gardner, who to the world is just kind of known as this dreamboat, you know, sec- god goddess, sex figure, whatever, shows some humanity and like, it's not about sex at all. It's about they had an affair at one point. They had some love between them, and she just goes and like cleans him up uh. and helps him get himself back together because he has to testify in front of Congress. That's the parallel that I'm trying to make about how he his performance then mm. while he's battling schizophrenia 
whatever it is exactly whatever the, howard hughes was yeah whatever it is dealing with like serious serious issues but he just his back was against the wall it was another one of those things where leo shows you a person who's just at their limit yeah you know like they're they're at their lowest and how do they respond with this this expression of unexpected strength that is so inspiring mm-hmm. that makes it like i i i feel that uh like what do you take away from these films what stays with you that's one of the things that i think about like if you're having a hard time i actually do draw some strength some sometimes just thinking about what these how these characters responded really i draw more strength from well i I feel like i'm drawn to leo in this movie because of the struggle the internal struggle he's going through and i'm drawn to cliff because he's, he's so he's handsome. So hot. No, because, <laughs> because he's of his so pants. strong. Because he's such a badass, and there's such a contrast between them. Leo is a fucking. Wreck. That's interesting. He's the he's he's in the shadow of the guy who is kind of play acting. He's the wind his, beneath his wings. What his minion actually is, right? That's the over and over in the movie, right? Right. Cliff's doing the dirty work. Yep. They show the car flying over the bridge <laughs> and it stops and there's an arrow. Cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't get his motivation though. He gets he has no money. Okay. He gets no glory. He doesn't he's just one of those fucking renegade guys. He doesn't need any money or glory. He just he Couple is who things. he is. He's not in an office. He's not a slave to some corporate, you know situation he's got a little bit of freedom his reward is doing the right thing no i think his reward to a degree is you know there's a there's a certain amount of freedom to be in the stunt guy and going from job to job and there's you know it's a free-spirited kind of freewheeling lifestyle does okay with the ladies does they suggest that he gets to when rick's out of town he gets to house it and he might have some guests maybe does okay here's another angle you see where he lives he lives in a trailer behind a drive-in yeah. And uh, there's like the clat that pan through his front yard, quote unquote. There's like a weight bench. There's a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. Just all this manly shit. Iconic manly stuff there. Um, what options does Cliff have? Cliff educated? Cliff have well, a degree? He probably could ask for more money. And more importantly, how does that trailer set up compared to Mel Gibson's in Lethal Weapon? <laughs> Which one is crazier? There's a tribute there. That is, there is a tribute. That's, That's right. That's the waking up in the morning, slamming a beer, eating a raw egg trailer, right? Ooh. That's how men like that have breakfast. So maybe as a chase it with a cigarette. As a middle-aged dude watching that, I'm watching Cliff drift through life, and I'm, I, I'm anxious, like because I, I can't uh, fathom living without. A freezer full of food and uh, money in the bank, like, and how does somebody just live day to day like that? And I think that's part of the story, though, is he's starting to see that writing on the wall. He's still the coolest guy, but he's starting to see that writing on the wall when he's when as Rick starts to get rejected for things. That means I'm getting rejected for things, mm-hmm. and that means more odd jobs for me and less uh, stunt work, and. So that there's that part of the story too. These two aging men, and what what are you gonna do? Marvin Schwartz lays out a vision for Rick that you know you're starting to get beat up in the pilot of all these TV shows. Yeah. You should go to Italy and you should make some movies. So right right from the jump, Rick 
with his stutter and his tick and all that. He's, he's already facing his mortality, that he's seeing it slip through his fingers. That's part of his desperation, is he was, he was uh, the bounty law guy, and now I'm the villain that gets mm. punched around by Timothy Oliphant in his new show. Johnny, what was that show called? Uh, like, I, I don't remember. Uh, Cap, uh, not Johnny Lisbon or Johnny Spain. It was like Johnny Portugal or something like that. Uh, <laughs> so he's seeing his mortality coming fast, his, uh, his star power, and he's got to deal with it. He's got no choice. Oh, Johnny Madrid. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what's his name? Oliphant's character is Johnny Madrid. Mm-hmm. And then his hanger-on, Cliff, has to deal with that too. I like that Cliff didn't, when, when he broke the news and he's like, you know, this is probably going to be our last hurrah. It was fine. You know, Cliff was like, yeah, okay. Hey, Rick. Yeah. It's been a good run, man. Right. Can I get anything <laughs> he for you? Like, he was like, He was this a little bitch about it. This is my whole life. He took it, yeah, he took it like a stuntman would take something, just like... Stuntman slash chauffeur slash house sitter slash BFF. Yeah, that seems like a pretty fucking macho line of work, but I'll bet there are female stunt people as well. Oh, a ton. They're all and on American Ninja Warrior right now. That's where they go? Mm-hmm. We should get one of those folks few. in for a pod interview. Oh. Female stunt person. Yeah. Put it on the list. Um... And I have her wrestle Dan. <laughs> I'm a terrible wrestler. In just as. <laughs> just Do you ask. tickle? Are you a tickler? Uh, just, I just, if you want it more than me, <laughs> that might be the one place where it's like, you you want it more than I do. You know, I, I'll, just, you I'll can, just... You can have it. You have a bunch of boys, so did you like kick their ass when they were little and wrestle them, wrestle them up? Uh, a little bit. A little bit playful. Yeah. But I'm not that dad. I was, I'm definitely not that dad. I don't get too physical with them did you I mean, there's of course we tickle and stuff like that when we're little when you and your brother would wrestle did your dad ever tell you to stop playing grab ass oh calling it grab I'm ass sure. grab ass uh, yeah. boys take that grab ass and horse play outside what playing a little grab ass adams you, you've never heard this <laughs> no i i That's gotta a put a lid on this rick and cliff play a little grab ass <laughs> they like start smacking each other up a little bit and they when wrestle a little that? bit don't they i don't remember don't they get don't they get a little mad at each drunk? other and like is it a drunken struggle a little bit i don't remember that maybe i'm imagining that look i want to put a if i may i want to kind of put a cap on the movie Please. all right uh it is everything andy said about tarantino it is a greatest hits it is a tribute an an on a non-stop tribute to okay you've seen a sexy guy drive a car with music cranked and his hair blowing this is the best looking man driving the coolest car (laughs) with the coolest song on possible yeah at the coolest profile angle you can have end of conversation yeah and then it's the lighting and pick anything that happens in that movie the uh the western stuff Mm -hmm. this is cliche paperback western nonsense <laughs> but this is the best looking men mm-hmm. in the best costumes delivering the most what are you what can you say like stereotypical manufactured dialogue but it's the best actor 
maybe of our time doing it. And you forget that you're watching him act in a show. Until, and for 15 minutes, you're like, until he goes, what's he going to do to that little girl? Until he goes, line in that right. one part. And, and then you're like, the spell is broken. You're like, oh, yeah, it's Quentin Tarantino <laughs> directing this and movie. That, that 60s LA director jackass guy. Yeah. He was phenomenal. He was like, Rick, I want you to be, I want you to look the part, but I also want you to be mod. <laughs> and there's going to be, that's when he's coughing. He's like so hungover and he's mm. trying to come to. And the director guy is describing what his vision is of his character. He's like, you're going to have a fantastic black, black mustache. <laughs> and every detail he layers on, Rick is just coughing harder and harder because it's so bad. Like, And then we're going to dye your hair. And then you're going to wear a duster jacket, but it's going to have fringes that go all along the sleeves. I really want it to pop. Mm. I want it to be something that you could wear in a saloon, and then you could wear it to a cocktail party on Hollywood Boulevard. And the whole time, that jack that's the greatest jackass 60s Hollywood director guy you could possibly imagine. And it's just that for the whole running time of the movie. And the ending, too, is you want a horrifying murder scene with that girl who screams for like, it feels like 15 minutes. Right. On fire, screaming, <laughs> flailing. And it that's just the never guy, stops. That's the Kill Bill guy getting his head slammed in the door like, not once, not twice, not thrice, <laughs> but a whole bunch of times. And it just keeps going. Does he do that? In, I haven't seen but Kill Bill either. But you hate those characters so bad by that time that it's mm-hmm. so gratifying. They can't die. The, the pit bull cannot bite that guy's crotch hard enough. And rip meat off of his thighs. <laughs> I love that pit bull. Yeah. They deserve it. Those those assholes deserve it by the end. We never have to stop talking about this. I could do this <laughs> till sunup. <laughs> I was I was disappointed. Uh, the the cold open was the same political sketch we've seen now for however long the Democrat debate. It was fine. It was funny. It had all the usual people. Uh, Bernie, uh, what's his name? Larry David's back. You know, that's just a recurring thing. Uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's wife is a former cast member, and she plays Elizabeth Warren. No, uh, senator from California that got out, uh, uh, Kamala Harris. She was uh, she anyway, was on in the Tina Fey years. Uh, she can sing really well. Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Ooh, I love Maya Rudolph. So the opening sketch was okay, but it was you have Eddie Murphy. This was a bill take today too. You have Eddie Murphy for the first time in thirty five years, and you're gonna use the first ten minutes of the show, and he's not gonna be in it. What the fuck is wrong with you people? So it was perfectly fine. The opening was funny. And Alec Baldwin showed up. Uh, It was fine. So Eddie Murphy's monologue. Did you see his monologue? Yeah. And he brought back the legends, including the legend. Uh, It was fine. Monologue was okay. Did you freak out when Dave Chappelle got on stage? Of course. Of course. (laughs) When he said, hey, I don't think you can smoke in here. And he was like, I know. (laughs) And he did anyway. The Bill Cosby thing was funny. And who smokes anymore? Right. Only yeah. him. The Bill Cosby thing was funny. <laughs> Which I love. 
he he whipped out a pretty good Bill Cosby impression. And from what I know, he doesn't really like Bill Cosby. Because when he was coming up, Cosby was a dick to him. I you heard that. You can't really say the word fuck. <laughs> he uh, covers it in his stand-up special, right? And Richard Pryor told him to yeah. suck a dick and drink a Coke and relax or something like that. Yeah. That was the punchline. But it goes back to, yeah, he was censoring. He wanted to censor him, essentially, in his prime. Yeah. And Pryor, on the other hand, to his credit, said, you know, well, if you, you can guess that Pryor wouldn't, wouldn't lean that way. You know, he was he was not the censoring type. He was the being censored type. And yeah, I, I think I disrupted your train. Oh, no, there, sorry. no, you, uh, you can't stop it. Uh, then it was Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. He did Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. And I was like, okay, that was funny 30 years ago, but gee, I wanted more. But it was fine. You know, they, they injected uh, gentrification into it. And then the neighbors came I over did see that. and the TV. And okay, that's fine. It was funny. And then the next sketch was Buckwheat. I was like, oh, really? Like, are we. That do- was just bizarre because he started in a large piece of corn. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> our corn cob. Masked singer send up, you know. Well, do you think it was his idea to bring back all these old characters? Or do you think well, he, he didn't want to take it? It was any a risks? victory lap. It was a victory lap. When part of what was disappointing about it for me was that in Dolomite, what we saw, like what I felt that I saw from him there was the culmination of like the years that he'd put into his craft where he was able to give you the dramatic, Mm -hmm. the funny, indeed, the, the whole spectrum of like his, the full, both barrels of his talent. Yeah. And like, this was just a regression of and and of victory lap and yeah. and oftentimes when you know you see those things there uh saturday night live for a lot of other people would be tremendously risky you know but for him it felt kind of you know like an afterthought of some kind a little bit you know or not really because i don't know for him like the stretch in a way he exposed himself dramatically and things in a way like that's the area that he has to grow and that's the way that's the place that a lot of comedians get to like robin williams or jim carrey where they're like all right i've i've proven that i'm hilarious and that i can be funny and that's all you have room to do on mm-hmm. snl is be funny all the time but what becomes more compelling and what becomes more you know interesting as an entertainer ages and matures is when they start showing you you know the, the full range of their you know, emotional expression and their and their humanity. And he did that so well in Dolomite that I don't want to mm-hmm. see him go back and do sketches. I wonder if unless he, they're super funny if with also you. his lifestyle now is just he's he's a family man now and Saturday Night Live is taxing. Tenth child was just born. It's taxing. It's like all night I mean, you've heard David Spade talk about it. I read the book, dude. Yeah. It's like all night you're working, writing. Cocaine helps. <laughs> <laughs> he might just not have been up for like being novel, you know. It could have just been like, well, I'm gonna show up. I'll be there. I'll bring my famous friends, and then, you know, we'll see how it goes. And and, <laughs> and, and it's hit or miss in terms of like how how good are the sketches? How how well the are they written? Have to be good. Written yeah. that week, mm-hmm. and people don't always drop golden eggs at the right time. And if he's writing stand-up comedy now, if he's really going to do that, he might not have energy then to go write some sketches too. Like maybe he's already 
what do you say? Blown his wad did on he his ever, stand-up show. Did he ever write sketches? Did he write back in the day like Celebrity Hot Tub? The hot was tub? I don't know. That was probably my favorite. Or people working around his impressions and writing to it. I don't, I don't know. I think both. I don't... Um, yeah. The uh, He showed up on the news as Gumby. And maybe what you guys are saying there, maybe that's a comment on... He is a busy guy with a very rich life and 10 children that with the time you have to prepare, that's the best you can do. Maybe how when did you just it, walk in off the street? How did Adam Sandler do when he came back? Ooh, I couldn't tell you because I didn't There's a guy really, who's making some interesting noise nowadays really watch because it, yeah. he like re- released a bunch of bullshit out on Netflix, it feels like, you know, that was just like a lazy just lazy work that earned him millions and billions and then there's this uncut gems film mm. did you see the uh, meyerowitz chronicles didn't that's uh, a, just a little bit of it with dustin hoffman good good movie yeah S- real good movie this is what i've heard about him is that he crafts his career based on who he wants to spend time with and where he wants to go in the world and then and then he'll hit like drama because he's classically trained apparently and so he's got basically lifestyle figured out because it's like making as much money as he wants hangs out with his friends has time for his family and gets to travel the world well it's hard to hate on that but from an artistic level like sam rockwell doesn't make shit maybe he isn't as wealthy but he's making a good living and his work is great consistently across the board so i respect sam rockwell a lot more than I do Adam Sandler. Do you no like his serious work, though, Ooh, Adam Sandler? Uh, I, th- I, I, I have love for Adam Sandler. I do, and that's why it disappoints me when I see him do shit. Yeah, even if it means it will get his friends a paycheck. Again, good for all of them, <laughs> but 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 making good art, you know, if you're a if you're a purist, in a way about good art and that really matters to you yeah then you sacrifice everything else Mm. for the sake of doing the best work you can i mean that's well why can't you do both why can't you adam maybe turn down a couple things and and get your friends involved on something that's that's actually good and not just take the first piece of shit script which movie are you thinking of Oh, all of those things with Spade. Grown-ups. The grown-ups movies aren't really that funny. The thing he did with Jennifer Aniston. But kids love those stupid grown-ups movies. That ki- That's Fair maybe enough. the kind of backhanded genius is kids think he's the greatest. Kids think he wins all the Oscars. Like what we thought Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore was, they think grown-ups is. Because yeah, uh, I thought those were pretty funny. And they like Happy Gilmore. And they like... The water boy and they like well like they like them all jack black is a guy who's been guilty of making some turds and cashing in on them <laughs> turds but <laughs> sorry but, always. but he but he made school of rock which is great for kids and is just great and he made gulliver's yeah that wasn't very good no but he's trying to aim for kids is what i'm trying to say well i i, I was trying to make a point that like it's not fair to expect everybody to have the career that Sam Rockwell has had and be that selective or uh, what's his name? Um, 
the guy who did There Will Be Blood and Lincoln and Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. He just Day-Lewis. he he'll he's all right. He'll he's not a comic though. No, but he's an artist and he's an actor who will wait ten years between making movies so that what he creates is great. It's apples and oranges. He's his own end of the spectrum. Like he has his own. I don't think so. I don't see why you can't be a comic and wait for great work and 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 ha- keep a high standard. But I brought up Jack Black because. Mm-hmm. Just to say that you don't have to lower your aim or deliver a subpar kind of lowest common denominator performance to do a great piece of work that appeals to everybody and to the whole family. Because School of Rock stands up as an example of something that everyone can enjoy, mm-hmm. but isn't, isn't shit. Great writing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look for it. You know, choose it. If you have the power to do it, why not? So, you know, but people takes. like to work, I guess, maybe. That's part of it. Couple hot takes, Nath. Uh, Murder Mystery 2019 with Jennifer Aniston. Thoughts? <sighs> Terrible. That's Found, the one I you, enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was It was Netflix, yeah. right? It, it isn't great, obviously, but I found it enjoyable. I it's because it they're likable. It's fun to watch them on screen. You know, this is another example of boundaries. I think we're talking about and 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 saying no, hmm. and Barry touched on this interestingly. Okay. I'm in love with the TV series Barry. Barry, and I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that it was written from the male pers- from from male writers. They were writing about the the dynamic in the show. One of the the storylines is that there's this acting class, and it's just kind of populated by pathetic folks <laughs> who are never going to make it, never. And Henry Winkler, the Fonz, has a glorious comeback as the teacher of this class of. Of losers, but <laughs> but uh, but but one of the women really is a talented actress. The blonde, the blonde, yeah, is a, is a, is a very talented actress, and 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 like a lot of actors, I think competing against you know the the odds, these improbable odds, you're just fucking desperate for your first feature or for whatever. And when her agency finally puts her in a room with. This big time producer who has an idea because he he caught wind that she did a a piece about her about her that's topical and touches on this whole Me Too movement because she's she's been through some abuse uh, and and uh, I I feel like you you might be great as a lead in in this project that I have that's related to that and it's it's just a man's conception of like he gets it all wrong you know it's embarrassing it's terrible. It's it's revenge porn, kind of uh, humiliating for her to do, and so she has to take a stand at a time when she's desperate for work, mm. and and to see her say, you know what, as desperate as I am, no, I'm not going to do that, and I wish sometimes, and I think it's fair for me, even though it's easy for me to say because I'm not the one that has to turn down the millions. <laughs> and I'm not the one that has to sit on my thumbs and not work or whatever and sort through sort through the scripts and whatnot. I, granted, I, all of that, I know. I maybe don't have a right to speak directly to it, but I mean, just as a fan, I feel it's fair to say and fair to be disappointed in people that you've seen do great work do less hmm. mm-hmm. than what you know they're capable of and you wish that they could hold that standard for themselves that you've seen and you recognize in them 
And that's why a guy like Sam Rockwell, I'm going to keep hammering that name, but why you love oh, him. I love Sam Rockwell. But why you love him so much is because. You know Sam Rockwell? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because even if he's doing something silly like a Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest, it's fucking great silly. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> he was in Charlie's Angels. He's so the good. kind of bad guy in that. Now, that's not yeah. great. Yeah, that's a stretch. That's probably a low point in Sam's otherwise fucking stellar uh, lineup. But Bill Murray was there too, so you, I guess you just give it a pass, don't you? I just, I yeah. just feel like there's got some. You're talking about artistic integrity. Yeah, there have, there's other reasons why people choose to do things. Sometimes you just got to pay the bills too. Like that's not these, a problem for a lot of these folks. These you actors, think. you know, Luster. they're in something great, and then they're in three terrible movies because it's like, well, I got offered scripts, and what if it's just it, having it booked fun. my calendar for the next like. If I was like, hey, do you want to go hang out with Chris Rock and David Spade and who's the other guy? Kevin Hart. Kevin James. Kevin James for three months. Rob Schneider. And hang out in the sun. Uh, yeah, I do. And also, by the way, you'll get $2 million. Sure. And six to 11 year olds think you're the, you're <laughs> the greatest filmmaker of all time. Did anybody see Sandy Wexler? Because then. All right, hold on now. But all right, you're, 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 as a songwriter. If if someone said, "Okay, Chris, we're gonna we're gonna fly you to Hawaii For to record Nelson? a t- no to record a fucking terrible album oh. with with Willie Nelson no <laughs> Jack Johnson I'm trying to come these up. guys live in Hawaii am I right I'm, all right is it at Oprah's house can we can we switch the location <laughs> no nope. if it's in Hawaii it's I am a, going it doesn't matter it doesn't even matter. I guess... No, what was your question? Just, I get that you want to have great life experiences and that that your life and your art sort of are separate things on some level. And people who sacrifice their life completely for their art, that can be a mistake. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, for people who are really passionate and really care about it, like I think, I my heart is more. Uh, I guess I I admire and respect at the end of the day people who are willing to, you know, sacrifice some lifestyle opportunities hmm. to make great art because it's that important to them. It is that big a part of their life. It is it is a, that big a part of their identity. Okay. Like they couldn't live with themselves mm-hmm. for for selling themselves out for a vacation to Hawaii when this album of bullshit is going to be out there forever. <laughs> God, Adams, what a terrible album. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I listen to it, it's sick. It has like the recorder... <laughs> And uh. the piccolo. <laughs> and um, that song you wrote about Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. It was so boring on her porch. That's a tough one. Looking out over her gardens. <laughs> God. Being catered. The most <laughs> delicious food you've ever eaten in your life, and it's actually good for you at the same time. <laughs> she grew it all there. <laughs> Michelle Obama's there. <laughs> She's giving you a massage. And Gail. <laughs> Stedman. <laughs> what, is, what does Stedman do while you guys are... Stedman's a phantom. I don't think he really exists. Stedman isn't real. Did you guys see Sandy Wexler? 
Mm-mm. where he's an agent. He's a super irritating, I mean, common. Point taken. I'm, I'm, oh, point, think, I'm thinking on it. All right, fair enough. I'm trying to pick out some gems in here. That Sandy Wexler movie, another one that's like, it's kind of dumb. It's kind of paint by numbers, but the character is, the character has a good heart and does right by people and ends up succeeding at the end. And mm. it's, it's very gratifying. No, I've never even heard of that. The Meyerowitz stories is an objectively good movie that Adam Sandler. I think I've heard about that, like that it directed. was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, it honestly just sounds like he likes to work. Emma Thompson. Yeah. He just wants to work constantly. Oh, his buddy Noah Baumbach uh, directed that. But an objectively good movie with a few laughs, but it's not what you're used to. It's so you're trying to build shit. a case for his overall body of work here? Well, that he he does surprising. He makes some surprisingly good movies along with all his schlocky, you know, like the do-over. Did you see I the would, do-over with David Spade? Where he's a... What if Michelangelo agent? like also made cartoons or doodled? But he didn't. He just knocked out but masterpieces, But what if he did? Adams. He just knocked out masterpieces. You don't know that? You might have journals. Yeah. This is a little polarizing. This is, a, but it's it's interesting. It's okay. Who else is in that category with Sam Rockwell? Uh, I would say Leo DiCaprio might be. Yeah, yeah, he's. Has he's Leo up made there. a clunker? Really? I don't think so. I think he's pretty choosy. Not too many. Well, it helps when everybody in the world wants to work with you, and you have the ability to be that. Selective. But who else has never made uh, something gonna... that doesn't have artistic merit? Hmm. That is boy. I was talking. I, I was I'm listening to LeBron's. I know that you have to think about LeBron's it. video video pod thing that he does on HBO, The Shop. Yeah, and he was talking about like they were a bunch of people were kissing his ass and like how do you keep being so awesome at thirty five, LeBron? The people in the shop were doing that. Yeah, everybody ar- around the world does hey, that. LeBron. Ed. <laughs> yeah, everybody around the world does that oh. when you're LeBron James Adams, even if they're fellow famous people, which is the cool. one I saw was when they signed the college thing into. Law. No. Well, this or was a whatever. different one. John Stewart was there. Anyway, oh. he, LeBron was talking about how, you know, if he got to a point where he didn't feel motivated to hit the gym and put in the work mm-hmm. to stay at that level, then he would be cheating the game. And he would, and then he'll know it's time to stop. And that's that's what I'm. I'm talking about a little bit with Jack Black making, you know, or Adam Sandler year one ma- making some bullshit. <laughs> they're 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 cheating the game a little bit, and uh, it's a little bit of a betrayal to people who care about. I am gonna hold to. I think you're too hard on them. Are I we gonna think- have to talk about Eddie Murphy in this context? Oh God, yes. Because that guy made a <laughs> string of bombs. But, it, but he, rede- he, he totally redeemed himself. But it comes. Perhaps, oh, so redemption is possible. Of course. Okay. It comes. Under yeah, the, you just got to do great work again. But Adam Sandler just did great work. Perhaps it comes He's under like the maybe heading. Maybe getting an Oscar. Or this something. uncut gems movie. And I'm going to be. Can't wait to see it. I'm going to be happy to see it, but uh, it, but it, but it doesn't mean that I'm not a little more conflicted when I view his overall mm-hmm. body of work. Compared to your other folks who, to me, you're touching on a couple of things. If you use Daniel Day-Lewis as an example, Mm -hmm. he is a 
not a one percenter. He's like a Commit, tenth of a percenter. Point oh 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 one percenter. He's a many decimal mm-hmm. points percenter. Um, Christian, but Dale. that's why he only will make. He's that guy. There can only be so many of him. Jordan. Uh, Jordan. Yeah. LeBron. Bird. Commitment. What There's about Hakeem? Few, you guys always Hakeem. talk about him. There's only a few of these people even on earth at any given time. So is it fair to expect but, the rest of humanity to follow that? And through his choices, where he only makes the greatest movie and will only do it if he can withdraw from life and become that character for like two years or whatever. And lose 106 pounds. And so that oh he's God. just, there's just, there's only so many of those guys. Like you, and, and have a family that will allow that. Maybe Adam Sandler's wife is like, I want to go to Hawaii. What can you do there? Keep the family happy. And at this, and at this, well. Because Dan, I mean, it's like that Ewan McGregor trip. He's not doing that trip unless his wife is okay with it because they have kids, right? Did you ever see Ewan McGregor's motorcycle trick? Long way around. Yeah. No. Oh, dude. Is it? Dude. This is something you need to watch. No. Oh, he right. actually does a motorcycle trip with another actor friend. Charlie something or other, I think. Yeah. A ra- like global trip and in extremely remote places and eating eyeball soup and balls at one point <laughs> yeah but my point is he's not doing that unless he has the support of his family so you don't know what influences these or artists maybe have. his family realizes like this guy is fucking driven and he's gonna do what he's gonna do and i'm either gonna support him or he's gonna maybe me. i mean you would think that's why they were together in the first place but you don't know that's put it at the top. I heard about that. Put What's it at the, the top of your movie? list. It's really, really good. Miles ahead? No. no. Long way around. Long way around. Okay. I think there was a sequel, but watch Long the first one. Watch the first one. I heard, I believe I heard about that. He was in that Christopher Robin movie not that long ago. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm. It's cute. Yeah, there's there's something to be said too for like uh maybe not everything that Ewan McGregor has been in is great, but he's great in everything he does. True. That's a Sam Rockwell thing too. Yep. Yeah. So. What do you call that? He's batting. What? This would be a baseball term. He's batting. Batting a thousand. I don't know. Who? Sam Rockwell. Yeah, when they're every time. Yeah, batting a thousand is. Yeah, that'd be batting a thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to work these into my like regular language. I I don't. I was know teaching what her what though. clutch meant earlier. <laughs> Needs <today>. work. <laughs> I need to workshop that one a little bit. Is there? But a, that's. So, so Daniel Day-Lewis, we all agree, is like that's one end of the spectrum. He holds down his own end of the spectrum. He's so spectacularly mm-hmm. great. Okay. Then there's Eddie Murphy, who he suffers, I think, in large part from he came out so hot, mm. you can't follow that. So like some, sometimes you just can't follow it. All up. right, my response, my hard-ass, res- my uncompromising and response s- to that is if you can't Follow something up. Then you sh- take a break. Okay. Grow, evolve, and then come back with, you know, the what right did, thing. What crap did he do? He, he did Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places Started to go sour, and all probably the wonderful around things. The Golden Child. Oh, wait. That's no, really I'm thinking early. of Golden Coming Child to America. Coming to America, Trading Places, and Beverly Hills Cop are all wonderful. And then what What did he do that was shitty? Oh, the... the 
Doctor Doolittle and, and the Daddy Daycare. Oh, those are for the, kids, okay. though. So why why does that make it okay? I'm I'm not going to name. <laughs> Do you like Jumanji? Well, no, I will name everything the guy did for a minute here. I like Jumanji, not so, the Robin Williams one, the Jack Black one. 1982. I haven't seen it. He's it's funny. He's in 48 Hours. Good. 1983. He's Racist in Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, that has not aged great. I don't know. <laughs> no, that could work now. 1983, Trading Places. Amazing. Spectacularly great movie. May have uh, been the first time I saw boobs in a movie. 1984. Like, what? You can't good? do might that. Have, might have been. Might have been my first too. Except Jamie the Lee boobs Curtis. Air, there's boobs wow. in airplane. Those are some epic boobs. Yeah. yeah. Epic boobs. <laughs> epic boobs. 1984, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. 1984. Best oh, defense. Taggart was in Fort Collins when I lived there, by the way. I saw him at the country club I worked at. Taggart. Saw who? Taggart. Taggart. Taggart from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, 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 oh. The I cop. Taggart from Blazing he Saddles. He was an asshole. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Wait. Mm-hmm. I Flirted with all the young girls. As soon as I see Including face. you? No. I was in the kitchen. Uh, and John I wasn't the flirty Ashton. waitress. Yeah. That's not me. Come on. No, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I thought okay. maybe he made his way back to <laughs> the kitchen at some point. He was in a little picture <laughs> called Best Defense in 1984. No. With uh, Dudley Moore and what? Kate Capshaw. Dudley Moore? Are we still talking about Eddie Murphy? Just, this yeah, we're running through his up. filmography here until we get to the real, like, clunker stuff. So then in 1986, he's in The Golden Child, which not as I don't think I movie, ever saw that. But it's watchable. It's, Is it? It's okay. <laughs> Have you ever have you ever seen it? <laughs> I wouldn't even want to revisit it. Dan. It's okay. It's okay. I, I watched it in my adult life, and what's I thought it about? it's I okay. I, I never saw it. There's a, a there's a fantasy uh, element to it, so it's like Eddie Murphy yeah. comedy fantasy action movie. If I remember, remembering, it's like and yeah. the Golden Child, like is when this Tom like, Cruise uh, did um, that fantasy movie with Tim Curry. When who? Legend. Mm-hmm. You guys haven't seen uh-huh. this. Who? Are we we, will, talking about we will, will. We will circle back around to that. Circle back. Okay. Uh, Golden Child. There's like a llama. There's this like eight-year-old llama who can, who has telekinetic powers and stuff. And Eddie Murphy is tasked with protecting him. And, <laughs> but it's, what about Shrek? It's not horrible. Shrek. Eighty-seven. Beverly Hills Cop. First two. one. Eighty-eight. Coming to America. Good. Eighty-nine. Not good. Great. Harlem Nights. Didn't Not see it. With Richard Pryor. I've never seen Harlem Great Nights. cast. He brought Red Fox, all of the legends in, but just the script and everything didn't. Eh. Okay. Another 48 Hours in 1990. I've never seen it. Never saw it. The Sequel. Distinguished Gentleman in 1992, oh. where he runs for Congress and uses the name Jeff Johnson. Sounds like a terrible plot. It's, it's still an okay movie. Because he's in it. Because it's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He wasn't funny again until Boomerang, I don't think. That's got to be That's coming. coming up soon. Uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, Joe Don Baker, Victoria Rowell. Okay. Uh, yeah. Then, then comes Boomerang in 1992. We all remember moments. the premise of that. I never saw it. Uh, he's a player that gets played. It's got some moments. Robin Givens is the uh, Robin his Givens. foil. Oh, wasn't so that, that Mike you, Tyson's wife? Yeah. That tells you right when this movie was. That was brief. Right then. Yeah. Okay. Then he's in a couple of music videos. Beverly Hills Cop 3, <laughs> 94, 95, Vampire there was in Brooklyn. A Bever- what? I don't know there was a number good. three? Yeah, yeah. There was a Beverly Hills Cop 3. Vampire in Brooklyn sounds terrible. It, it was. Then 96 is The Nutty Professor. 
Okay, um, that's which for kids. Is a turning point. It's for kids. 97. Metro. That's like a cop movie, mm, like a buddy cop movie. Nope, no. not good. Who was the buddy? Uh, in Metro, Eddie Murphy, Michael Rappaport. Oh, the redhead. And a few people. Yeah. He's okay. Some other dudes. But he's he's now when an Eddie Murphy movie comes out, it's not necessarily a must see. And then we get into Holy Man. He's like a spiritual No. No. Sounds kinda like Love Guru, but No. Without Mike no. Myers. Then Doctor Doolittle, the sequel to The Nutty Professor. Mm. Or Doctor Doolittle is its own thing. Then Life, prison movie with, with Martin, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence. Bowfinger. My in-laws say that Bowfinger I've is great. I've heard that that's good. Steve I Martin. was excited because it and combined Eddie the legends of Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, but it wasn't that funny. Okay. okay. My in-laws like it. But Steve that's Martin was in it? What about Steve Martin on your scale? Steve Martin is way, way, way closer to the Daniel Day-Lewis spectrum than he is to the Adam Sandler spectrum. But he Sandler did Bowfinger. Interesting. Oh, but he also did Shall I List Him, Adams? The list of the you classics. Don't have, you don't need to. I love Steve Martin. Yeah, just, just look, look down the list. Plus he plays the banjo. We just might. Yeah. So let, I'll hurry this up. And then he's in that TV show, The PJs. Is the Three like Amigos. Not only, thing. All right, hold it. Sorry. Shrek. Important difference. Shrek important, is wonderful. Important Shrek is difference wonderful. between Steve Martin and and the rest of these clowns. Oh boy! And that is that. I guess we're never going to interview Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, I love Eddie Murphy. If and he's he, got any kind of balls, he'll come on. <laughs> if but he, he I'd be passed out. But that's but, fine. But all right. From I, love. This is this is this is talking shit, and Kay. you know that I love him. I love all these people that we're talking about. I don't Jack Black, he does Eddie not Murphy. Forgive you. At, at, Eddie, if you're listening, <laughs> pay for your own plane ticket. <laughs> come to Madison and you can be on our podcast. Um, the fact that the fact that here's what I don't here's here's what I don't appreciate. Steve Martin. I, I can I can understand that there are hits or misses when you're trying, but just laziness, like a lot of these doing kids movies. Doing crap movies, not developing your own scripts, not right. You know, part part of the reason why Eddie Murphy stopped doing stand up, I'm pretty convinced, is because it's fucking hard. Mm, it is hard. Writing your own material, working it out, doing it all that, that's a grind. It's mm-hmm. hard work. And what Steve Martin never stopped doing is growing and writing his own stuff. I'll write a book now, I'll write a play, I'm going to write an album. I'm going to write. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep working. Mm-hmm. And do you think he, all he's his, not lazy. Do you think all his movies are funny? Whoa. Do you think he dialed it in at any point? Oh, he did. He he did. Uh, he played an orthodontist that was wrapped up in a mur- murder scheme. The movie was called Novocaine or something like that, and he was brilliant in it, and it was dramatic. So when he does that kind of work, he excels as well. Because he's fucking crazy smart, hmm. and he just knows a good story, and he's a writer. I don't remember that at all. Do you want to hear some of his filmography? Your standards are uber high. Well, I'm not going to apologize for it either. He okay. plays he plays an insolent <laughs> so. waiter in 1979's The Muppet Movie. <gasps> yes, yes, okay, right. <laughs> Gold Muppets, Steve Martin together. Yes, an insolent waiter. 1979, <laughs> The Jerk. Classic. 19, 1981. Pennies from Heaven. I 
Don't know that one as well. <gasps> it, you know what my favorite is? L.A. Story. L.A. Story is beautiful. Okay. It's so good. Uh, 1982, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. I've it's, seen I, I know it as well. In and out on that. Mm. 1983, The Man with Two Brains. Mm-mm. 1984, The Lonely Guy. Don't know. Uh. 1984, All of Me. Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin. Okay. They share a body. That's fine. That, that was fine. Okay. Creative. Uh, mm-hmm. Movers and Shakers, 1985. Never heard of Never that. Never heard of that. 1986, he is Lucky Day in one of Nath's Clearly favorite movies, The Three Amigos. Mm. Don't get me fucking started. <laughs> little Shop of Horrors. Oh, Wonderful. he was in that? He was the dentist. Uh, Son, be a dentist. Oh. What? Is that a remake of something? The little. It's a play. Uh, it's a play. It's yeah. like a theater thing. Oh, I'm thinking Rocky Horror Picture Show. That combines okay. the the megawatt talents of Bill Murray and, and Steve Martin in one scene where Bill Murray's the masochist and Steve Martin is just mauling his mouth and he's loving it. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Vincent oh, yeah. Gardenia, Steve Martin. It's great. So, yeah. Jim Belushi, John Candy, Christopher Guest, Bill Murray. Just keeps going. 1987, wow. Roxanne. Great. A, a Good. Pretty objectively great movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adaptation it, it of a French play. It shows its age play. a little, but it's pretty great. Adaptation of a French film. Like, you know, I'm sorry, but Jack Black's not doing that because he's not... As worldly and sophisticated Hannah? as Is that the woman in that? No, it was no, it was Daryl Hannah. It was Daryl Hannah? She's fine. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Class, objectively terrific movie. Uh, Dirty rotten scoundrels. Class. Not as good, but pretty so good. good. Great movie. Ruprecht poking okay. his eye with a fork. Nath might have a case here, dude. They're, no, those we'll early find movies. A the dead man. No, oh, come some on. of those were junkers. What's next? He's he's parenthood. Great. Oh my God! Objectively great, incredible. What's Objectively next? great. Uh, my Blue Heaven with Rick Moranis. Mm. That one's a little medium. Probably a little medium. Hey, L.A. Hey. Story. Uh, no, that's amazing. I think that's regarded pretty highly. It's, it's amazing. A cl- it's a classic. Okay. Okay. It's really good. Do why did he? Have you seen it? It's got heart. It's got life. Uh, it's got the answer. It's re- <laughs> it's really really good. Okay. L.A. Story. I need to see L.A. Story. Yeah. You do. Put it on the list with uh, Long Way Around. Grand Canyon. <gasps> nope. Don't know. That's I wait, I feel like I Ensemble cast. Drama. Uh, this is what's happening. He's getting into like the Diane Keaton territory of trying to get the over forty, over fifty demo to the fate come of to the several movies. people are intertwining randomly, their sympathy for each other, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Danny Glover, Kevin Klein, Steve Martin. Good cast. Mary McDonald. Love Mary I don't, Louise. Parker, I don't think it was a great movie. Alfred though. Woodard. Okay. So you gotta you've got a Ensemble cast. This is like a senior. Feel safe. It's like I can't believe that we're having to go through Steve Martin's entire discography (laughs) to conclude that he's one of the fucking Apex Mountain greats. We're doing this because I don't know his catalog like you do, but it's deep, dude. The question is whether he has ever sacrificed integrity to make a movie. All right, let's Father of the Bride. Let's leap of faith. Father of the Bride was good. Wait, mixed nuts. What's leap of faith? He was a faith healer, evangelist type dude. Yeah. Mixed nuts? Mixed nuts. Okay. There's a couple in there that are questionable. All right, Adams. We can we can say about Father his career the that too. there are a couple questionable the choices. The money grab. If you do a sequel. And but then comes Bowfinger and Novocaine, uh, you mentioned. Really good. No uh, one's perfect. And he was in Cheaper by the Dozen. That's pretty schlocky. Schlocky. Bringing Down the House with Queen Latifah. Now I think he's just cashing them checks. Uh, 
No one's perfect. He was in a Jiminy Glick project. I'll take that anytime. No one's perfect. I will. Then he did the Pink Panther series. Mm. I, I will accept that. It's not impeccable, but the amount of great work that he's done over his career is no dude in, in the in the world of comedy. It's incomparable. Well, he's legendary. And now he's largely walked away from film, really. I mean, he's done a few roles yeah. lately, but he's on to other things. He's doing... So, he's doing playing the, the Martin show. Steve Martin Short. Yes. Steve Martin gets a pass that Eddie Murphy and, doesn't get. All right. That's and I'm, I, Eddie Murphy doesn't get the pass? I'm not Adam trying to attack Eddie Martin gets because he's not in his league. He <gasps> he got lazy in a way that Steve Martin did not. What do you think? What? Is Eddie Murphy in Steve Martin's league? Well, I'm looking at Eddie Murphy. I, we, I think we talked about this like night one kind of or whatever. Looking at Eddie Murphy's catalog, I haven't seen them all, and it's easy to throw stones. I I I have a more sympathetic view towards these people, I guess, than our buddy Nath does. I'm I'm not holding down that hard end of the spectrum, uh, and I'm I guess I'm just more forgiving of like, well, sometimes you just gotta. You got a lot of houses and cars, and you have to pay the bills. I also feel like sell some houses and cars. True enough. <laughs> He's a I'm black I'm comedian. Sorry. Eddie Murphy. I mean, Beverly Hills Cop was that the first one? That it's was pretty early. Wasn't it pretty rare for someone that was black to like be a lead in like a cop sure. movie? He was charting a course. Maybe he makes. I I don't know. I feel like I think Eddie Murphy falls more in the hard. It's hard to follow up coming in that hot and that big. That's difficult to maintain. Mm. Uh, so he gets a The pass. greatest band eventually puts out a bad album. Like, you just can't. Kind of like Elvis. Macklemore's never going to match that first album. Macklemore. Elvis just became a, Vegas Elvis because he was, <gasps> you know, on top of the world. And that's I what just happens. pretend like that never happened. Yeah. Well,. I guess maybe it's there is a little bit of an apples and oranges thing going on because Steve Martin's kind of a goddamn alien with the way that he's able to Man, combine. I didn't know you had these feelings about the, Steve the Martin. Skills but I'm, I'm of loving being this. passionate about anything. Man. Well, mm. well, the if you think about how many you separate, can't make planes, trains, and automobiles without being like way up above everybody, and you can't else. do that without John Candy. Oh, the great <laughs> John Candy, the, the great, great John Candy, just. A Chris Farley tragic-like character, too, mm. or just a big Labrador of a human being that you want <laughs> You want to hug, you know, just every time you see him on stage. Mm. And, but um, all the different talents that he represents in one person and that he, he has the writing chops. Like, that's how he started, too, I think, with the Smothers Brothers and some of these groundbreaking television shows. So he's a brilliant writer. And then he... Did, and well, he's a stand-up. I mean, he was he, a, a groundbreaking... He, Groundbreaking stand up arena filling one of the first like arena filling stand ups. So, and I will add smart enough to say everyone else is doing A, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do B because oh. I think everyone's done with that. He was doing like G or yeah. L, yeah. Or and to hear him talk about that, he's like, Well, I think people were probably tired of all that he's a fucking magician. Vietnam shit. So He's a magician. He he worked at Knott's Berry Farm when he what? was a, a kid. He grew up in L.A. and like 
was drawn to the magic shop and the theatricality of that, and he learned magic tricks and things, and then wow. incorporated <laughs> it into his comedy so that Ed Carson, you can look this up, it's a fucking great clip, he created a character called The Great Flydini, in which he pulls like chickens out of his fly and stuff. <laughs> the handkerchief that just keeps going. Uh, Did you know we were sitting at a table with Steve Martin's biographer? <laughs> Well, here's here's a short, wonderful, wonderful read. Also, like no ghost writer, when it came time for him to write his autobiography or tell his story, of course he wrote the fucking thing himself. And of course it was one of the best reads ever. And it's called Born Standing Up. Oh, never read it. And it, it takes you oh, from man. the time he was born to his great stand-up success. And in it, he just... He... He talks about his anxiety and his struggles with that and vulnerability and like lets you behind the curtain. So there's more here than just oh, there's his so much work. more. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but the work alone. And so I didn't even. I'm not. I'm not done chronicling the the number of talents in one man because. But you we've haven't already even touched the there. banjo yet. Yeah, the music, the but the performer side and the writing side. I guess on so many different arenas that like uh it's a it's it's mind-boggling i understand what you're saying he's got it all he has every single aspect he can conceive it he can deliver it he can do magic he can play the fucking banjo whatever you need you know whatever (laughs) you need he can do dramatic i can play the banjo (laughs) at expert level (laughs) your reverence for steve martin uh in part, at least, is his ability. His his uh, talent probably doesn't even cover it. It's uh, his gifts. Yeah, and then uh, also the discipline to which he applies to these crafts to fucking master them. To, so he was a kid and he learned how to do magic and he got good enough at it to be a performing magician. Right. And then he started... Uh, you can't even call it comedy. What he was doing was so different. <laughs> performance art. That performance was art yeah. of a of a level we will probably never see again. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna turn things upside down quite as much as he did. And then to act, and then to write, uh, in our own humble way, I think we're following that template of we decided we want to do something, and we want to be good at it. And we want to do a good job. And we don't want it to be schlocky. Mm. And we don't want to just do it be, just to fill space. We're trying to do a great job. And we're learning all these aspects of it, the execution of it. You know, as we'll we never, go. What we'll never probably achieve that he did, though, with the stand-up is... He there did, is a lot of things we will not well, achieve. Well, no, just... That I, list is long. I just wanted to bring this anecdote out from the book. But it's yes. beautiful. His stand-up got so big at some point right and people were so yes. crazy the arrow yes. through the head the wild and crazy guy those days yes that like even my kids know what that is and he was such a a wildly creative like outside of the box performance guy that he didn't necessarily want the show to end after his jokes were done and his act was up so he would take the whole audience out for ice cream afterwards <laughs> what and then also, he crowd surfed over an empty swimming pool full of fans <laughs> in the pool. And he relates these stories about how just like it it's about the way that people live. You know, like their act isn't an act. 
I'm drawn to those people. What about Bill Murray? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So like Jack Black is is great and you do get a sense that like he is just a charismatic, like funny, energetic guy on set, off set, wherever. But there's also sort of a maybe like a level of superficiality there where mm. like I can just turn this on and off and aim it at a project Perhaps. that's bullshit. And, and, and I'm not necessarily You like, get that from Jack Black? I love, I love, I love Jack Black, but I'm just saying there's a difference between like maybe him and what those stories, the stories that I was just relating, what that, what that, what that means to me is I, it's not that I don't think Jack Black probably doesn't like apply the level of creativity that he puts into his best work everywhere, but uh, David Letterman used to have this clip that said there's no off position to the genius switch or something like that. And, uh, and, and Steve Martin to me, I think just represents more of like a, he's a, he's a true genius. Mm. So everything that he does everywhere he goes, it's going to be, I was going to ask you about Bill Murray, but first I just have to say, I remember Jack Black being interviewed by now. I'm not, who was it? David Letterman, maybe, where he was talking about how he used to go to school and like tuck electric wires in his sleeve because he would wanted people to like believe that he was bionic. <laughs> who did this? Jack Black. Oh my goodness. He would like let them show a little bit and like be like cover him up a little bit so that people would maybe see a glimpse and like wonder, is he bionic? And then, you know, he'd cover him up and be like, You'll never know. And so my it reminded me of my son Wyatt because he made this sleeve. Justin has a sewing machine in the basement that he's been teaching the kids how to sew. And oh, wow. The role reversal. Interesting. Yeah. Dad he likes teaches to, kids sew to sew tents and backpacks and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good he's a dad. cool guy. And Whoa. yeah. Right. So um, he, Wyatt's like made this kind of Wonder Woman armband thing that had a little red strip that he said was like, this is my laser beam, <laughs> mom. So he like sewed a little patch on it that was just exactly the shape of a laser. And then he wore it to school. <laughs> it was like <laughs> thinking that he was like some superhero wearing this thing to school. And it reminded me of Jack Black. Well, knowing but, him, he probably wrote like, uh-huh. mom is the best mom person is, ever. Person in. Best person in. <laughs> um, but what do you think about Bill Murray? Yeah, there's a difference like... He I'm, takes stuff out into the real world all yeah. the time. Yes, I'm splitting hairs. And there's a Netflix what's show the about difference, that, right? Or, what's the difference between like... There is. That followed I, him. I someone followed him and as he lived these experiences. Like, yeah, I haven't strange, watched he crashed, that. He's got, this, he's got this reputation for crashing parties and doing the dishes and mm-hmm. f- mixing drinks Bar and just being, yeah. you know, coming up to people in the street and putting his hands over their eyes and saying, guess who? And he's got that and, really nice acting um wide range where he did that one lost in translation and the um spike jones is it It sounds right the hotel with the i don't have it grand budapest hotel wilson uh, and luke wilson yeah the grand budapest hotel that one and then they did the other one the tenenbaums royal uh, tenenbaums yeah what's wes anderson yeah but he's also got Bill Scrooge. Bill Murray has that world weariness. Like he can give you just 
despondency and drama like depth, but he can also be wacky. He's got great range, great range. Jack Black has some range. Yeah. Not as much. Does Bill Murray write though? I don't know if he does. He doesn't do stand up. Yeah, he's a, he's an example of like a Ray Charles where hmm. they're fucking geniuses. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's not argue about that. Just be, because of the difference between a genius and not a genius is not whether they create their own material or not. Interpretation, there's a genius to that. Okay. There can be. Yeah. Um so if I was saying Steve Martin exists above all these others because he also writes. Yeah. Well, I just was trying to make the point that for God's sakes, on top of being a genius performer, yeah. he's also a genius writer. Yeah. Jesus Christ, how much... And musician. How, and, and musician, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and. And Jack Black, you know, he's at least, he's at the very least a brilliant performer. Yeah. And he's... He's, he's a musician, too. And, and as a brilliant writer at points, you know, like, silly as it is, fuck her gently... Have you ever it seen works. anything like Tenacious D ever right. in I your mean, life? It's kind of... When I first saw that, it was like when I first saw South Park. I was like, what the fuck is this? I've tenacious, never seen anything That first Tenacious like this. D album is genius. Uh, yeah. It is. Top to bottom. Yeah. It is. I guess it's fair to say. he's got He's got flashes of it. Whereas... But again, I mean, if we're putting... If we're talking about him in the context of someone like Steve Martin, it's... can Do you sustain it? Is it, is it, does it touch multiple decades? And I am gonna, yes, I'm gonna say Jack Black has it. Okay. I, I'm a fan. I'll have to think about it. But where were we before I went off on that? I don't know. We have to do this though. We have to do what came next. Yeah. um, Can I go to the bathroom? Should we do a chop? Should we edit? Hold it, Adams. Because that transition that you played for us is like too good for us not to like, yeah. All right. I'm going to do an intro. So, at, okay. Are we done? Are you going to do something? Because I'll go pee while you do that. Go pee and save. I was just, yeah, assuming. Oh, you guys, this Play is kind of like interesting tonight. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Nath, you're a, you're a, um, you, I don't want to just generalize you t- too much and say that you're like a ranker, but you really do have a continuum of, of people, and I suppose I suppose we all do to some extent, but I just I just didn't don't hear it verbalized. Like I didn't he, I didn't know of your passionate takes about Steve Martin mm. versus Adam Sandler. Like I guess I could have guessed that you don't hold him in the highest regard. But. Well, but that that being said, but, uh, like Sandler's Sandler's comedy albums when I was young, and the songs that he wrote for that and those sketches were, you know. That was that was seminal. That was hilarious. Universal. Uh, they touch nothing. Made, he's got a gift. And young Adam Sandler has a gift for reaching sort of everyone. Yeah, nothing made me laugh harder than those. And it's but, sweet. It's never mean. Right. It's he's always got, he's he's got he's got heart, but he's also perverse as hell. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 willing to get weird with. Uh, what was the one about no take that shampoo bottle and shove it up my ass and yeah. pretend I'm the pizza delivery guy and watch me whack off. Put your <laughs> arms around me, baby. <laughs> Can't you see I need you so Yeah. Uh medium pace. <laughs> yeah. I mean that great was song. great. Yeah, that's great work. It's free. It's just like okay. I'm gonna get 
talk about your old boyfriend's Let's, dick and how big it was. Now shave off my pubes and punch me in the face. Strange. Did you Strange. see Sandler's last comedy special? Yeah. I'm going to go to bat it. for him a little bit here. Yeah. That comedy special, which from which we got Keep talking. I'm gonna get our, our the Chris Farley there. song. Yeah, we are, but whatever. The Chris, the beautiful Chris Farley song. The tribute to Chris Farley. Didn't like it. Uh, the special or the song? The song. I see. And the special. I think we're done here. Me while I play out supply enthusiasm aimed at your indifference Scan the floor for one tap into a bobbin hand Any signal coming back on the same man for Rick and frequency wavelength How's reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance It's commercial free, it's commercial free Only thing for sale up here is me and my CD You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs Got a mic and I can turn it up but I can't turn you down Got a mic what I need's a new remote up on it click Point, click, flip around, fold it, more appreciation from the crop participation. Would it be too much entirely to expect a little respect? Would it be too much entirely? What if what the say is true? Less is more. More is what I'm telling you.